Welcome to the Happy Saver podcast. I'm Ruth, a blogger on personal finance in New Zealand, and on this podcast, I tell the stories of Kiwis and their experiences with the money in their lives. You will hear helpful, relatable stories from Kiwis who are giving their tips and point of view on personal finance right here in New Zealand. Now, personal finance is indeed deeply personal. So with that being said, in this week's podcast, I spoke with Mandy. Now, when I think of Mandy, the word that keeps coming to my mind is determined. She was living the good life right up until she wasn't. We pick up her story at the point of her divorce when she had two young children, a small divorce settlement, a limited income and a burning desire to turn things around for the better. But how could she find her feet again? With determination, that's how. But before I tell you about her, I have a quick message from today's sponsor. I'm excited to have Hatch supporting today's episode because for the first time, they make investing in the US share markets easy and affordable for Kiwis. Hatch is Kiwi Wealth's digital investing platform. In fact, they are 100% Kiwi owned and operated by the Kiwi Group family who are committed to helping Kiwis be as wealthy as they should be. With over 13,000 investors and $33 million invested to date, Hatch is really opening up a world of possibilities to Kiwi investors, letting them invest in the most recognisable companies in the world. With no management or custodial fees, their fair and transparent low fees are explained when using their platform. And because real people sit behind Hatch, if you have any questions to ask, one of their friendly humans, based in Wellington, would love to help you. So to easily invest in the largest share markets in the world, head to hatch.as forward slash the happy saver. When I think of Mandy, the word that keeps coming to my mind is determined. This woman is freaking determined and over a long period of time, I think it's her determination that has gotten her this far. Mandy is from Christchurch and has lived there for most of her life. And early on in our conversation, she referenced her nana as a key person in her life who taught her some good money management skills. She spent a lot of time with her nana and she taught Mandy the basics of making do with less, making the most of what they had without going out to do expensive things, cooking from scratch, all the things that nanas of her generation were good at. She cherishes the relationship that she had and the stories that they shared, many of which she didn't actually understand the true value of until she was an adult going through her own tough times. Mandy's parents handled money differently than her nana. She says they are spenders who tend to buy now and think about it later and are likely to have a mortgage until they die. Uh, growing up, she recalls observing them, but not really taking in their situation. But it was in her teens and there were some money issues that she realised that a house can be built out of cards and that if the tide turns, you can lose everything quite quickly. Not everything is always as it seems. Yet early into her own marriage, money was plentiful for Mandy and she did start down her parents' path. Yet she says most of her story with money starts from when her marriage ended, when her two children were just two and four years old. She married the man she loved and they had two boys. He had a well-paying job, was developing his career and was working a lot of hours, probably about 60 to 70 each week, while she was working in childcare and was now also raising their children. She said they had more money than month, which after a while didn't make up for the fact that she was not seeing enough of her husband. She wanted him to spend more time at home with her and the kids, but he couldn't or he wouldn't cut back. So she more or less said to herself, well, screw you. If you don't want to be home, I'll just go shopping instead. 
And she did a pretty good job of being the ultimate consumer and buying as much as she could. She said that her children were the best dressed kids in town. With no hand-me-downs for the second child, she just went shopping again. Through the sale of their house, they purchased a section with cash and signed a contract with a building company to build a brand new house upon it. The plans were already lodged with the council when the land had been surveyed. A lot of paperwork had been completed and they were poised to begin the build. So with their house sold, they moved into a rental property in readiness for the build. Now, during her marriage, her husband had had an affair, but they had stayed together, due in large part because she could not see how she could support their children without his money. She said she had to stay, but there came a point where she didn't want to see this happen twice, and it all came to a head. And before the build could even begin, when her children, like I said, were just aged two and four, their marriage ended, and they split in 2007. There was no way the build could continue. The finance for it relied on them being a couple with a shared income, so they paid $15,000 to the building company to cancel the build, which was what they were contractually obliged to do given the amount of work that had already been undertaken, and the section was then sold in a private sale. Everything was split, and they each came away with a good chunk of cash, about $130,000 each. But she said that this chunk was simply not enough for her, given that she was caring for two young children and was only working 10 hours a week. Mandy said that her and her two boys moved again just eight weeks after selling their home and moving into the first rental property. But this time, they moved into what she referred to as a shitty rental for a five-month period while she increased her hours of work and tried to find a new plan. She was fortunate in the fact that she was able to work for her parents as they had a shoe store but they could only offer her 15 hours each week and she needed 20 to be eligible for working for families supplements. She said that she was also fortunate that her ex did have his good traits and he began to pay child support soon after their split, which also helped out a lot, but not enough. So she said she also took on a second job working in a pub, pulling beers, something that she had never done before and something that was well outside of her comfort zone. But she said that the second job actually was good because it got her out of the house and it gave her some social interaction right at a time when she was not feeling that good about herself. And although it was exhausting working late nights until 2am, you do get a lot of compliments when you are working in a pub and this helped her confidence more than she realised. They initially had a private arrangement with their childcare which she would not recommend to others. She knew at that time what he was earning, but she also knew that in time she would not, and that he was on a strong career path and that their boys are entitled to half of their father's lifestyle. She was concerned about the boys' security and if he would support them if he got a new partner, which he did do pretty quickly. So instead, they began to put it all through the IRD, and this means she said that because they have screwed up their marriage, the kids don't have to miss out. She strongly believes that they brought the kids into this world and it's their moral obligation to both support them financially and she respects her ex for feeling the same way and for continuing to support his children when many don't. While living in this shitty rental and probably wondering what on earth had just happened, she stumbled across a website called simplesavings.com.au where they claim to quote, live, breathe and enjoy savings and they love the freedom that comes from being frugal. She said that finding other people on that online community who were also struggling financially, it really helped her because her own friends all still had their good lives and she didn't want their sympathy or their charity. She couldn't connect with them like she once did, but via Simple Savings, she really found people that she could relate to at this time in her life. 
She knows of some who have separated from their husband or wife and have spent all of their money, and she knew that she didn't want to waste the money she had. She knew that she was going to be buying a house, and that was it. Whether her and the kids shared a room for the rest of their days, she didn't really care. She was going to do whatever it took to buy a house again. So with two jobs on the go, a house to rent, child support payments, and the support and information coming in from the Simple Savings website, she approached the bank for a loan to buy a house. An independent broker said that she could borrow up to $250,000, but the bank had other ideas and they turned her down because of her erratic work history and unknown financial position at that time. And that's something she is very grateful for, actually, as she said that her kids, they do like to eat, and there was no way she could service a mortgage that high and survive. In the end, the BNZ gave her a mortgage of $190,000, and she pulled this with all the remaining money that she had to buy a house in Hallswell worth $327,000. She was earning $700 per week, which was made up from her wages, her working for family supplement, and from child support and her mortgage payment each week was $390, meaning that 55% of her money went to her mortgage, leaving her just $310 per week for everything else. By the time she got back into her own home, her boys were now aged three and five, and she said that it was an amazing confidence boost to do this on her own. She said that she signed her separation agreement on the same day that she signed her house papers. And this is when she realised that she had learnt her nana's ways and a story she had told her made so much more sense now. Growing up they had lived close to their cousins and one day her brother and her cousin ate a whole loaf of bread and a full box of wheat bix in one sitting, only to realise later that this was an entire week of breakfast for that family. She now realised for her own family of three the implications of this. Money was so tight that even managing to replace breakfast food would be difficult. During all this, her own parents were amazing and always extremely supportive, helping her with childcare when needed and giving her as much paid work as they possibly could. Her ex-husband's parents also stepped in to help out with childcare and they continue to help in the school holidays, for example. Often when Mandy was trying to buy second-hand clothing and school uniforms, family would actually step in and help out, which was just fantastic. When you have such an upheaval, you can often take two steps forward and one step back. And this is what happened when at the end of that first financial year, she got a $1,500 tax bill from the IRD, which was due to her selecting the wrong tax code for her second job at the pub and not paying enough tax. She literally cried when she got the news. It was really hard to take on top of an already tough time. So her advice to others is to please check you are on the correct tax code. Now the IRD, they let her pay this bill off, which in reality meant that her second job, which was meant to get her ahead, was actually just being worked to pay off the IRD. And it was a really hard lesson to learn. She continued to work 20 hours a week and more if needed and if she could get it. And she was making ends meet and her parents helped out where they could. She put in a vegetable garden and this was a huge help in keeping the grocery bill low. She even got chickens, which she said she hated but they produced eggs and she was able to trade any surplus for chocolate and wine. She would walk if she could rather than drive and if her children were away for the night, well she ate toast for dinner because it was cheap. Every single cent was budgeted using her paper and Excel spreadsheet system that she still uses to this day. And although she would have never accepted hand-me-downs while married, now she said yes to anything that she was offered. She decided that free was actually her favourite flavour. She also took in international students for six weeks at a time when the opportunity arose. 
Because she was a single woman, a mother and their child would come to stay from an Asian country because they felt very safe with her. And it gave her about $480 a week for that period of time. And this was approved by WINS. It was a huge boost to her. She always budgeted and knew exactly how much she had. And then she always spent less than that. She said that she kept her kids clueless as to how little they had. And now, all these years later, she tells them stories of how close they were to the edge. And they just had no idea. But at the time, everything felt so very difficult and she felt that they were just plodding along, trying to cover all the bills and have money set aside for any emergency that came up. There was no fun in their life, so she decided that she would change that and that she would take the boys to the Gold Coast in search of some fun and give them all something to look forward to. Now remember how determined I said Mandy was. Well, over an entire year, she scrimped and she saved and she took them there in 2009. They rented a tiny one-bed unit with a kitchen and access to a washing machine. She either brought or bought her own food and was on an extremely tight budget, but she was on the Gold Coast. Now, this experience taught her that you can plod along as much as you like, but there has to be some fun in life too, even while you are drowning in debt. Just after the Gold Coast trip, she started up her saving for a holiday fund again, and a bit of luck was about to come her way at last. Her bank, the BNZ, they ran a promotion where if you recommend a friend, both of you go in the draw to win a prize. And on the day that her divorce was official, she was told that her friend and her had each won $10,000. Now this was an incredible stroke of luck, and initially she thought it was a scam. But it was real, and they put this money against her mortgage, but you could redraw it if you wanted to, which actually over time she did. This money was to become a massive lifesaver for her and was to become the difference between really going backwards or just holding her own. She spent about $2,000 in total when she bought a tent for herself and her boys and she took her friend's kids to the warehouse and told them they could choose a toy. This friend was doing it even tougher than herself and it gave her real pleasure to give them a positive experience. She took her own boys to Acorn Models. Anybody from Christchurch will know that this is a really well-known store and they got to choose whatever toy they wanted. Her boys knew that mum was happy because she had won some money, and she recalls them being like, we are rich. She said that to receive this $10,000 was a life-changing amount. But remember, two steps forward and one step back. In 2010, the Christchurch earthquakes began, and life once again took a pretty big downturn. The building her parents' shoe store was in collapsed, and her own house had cosmetic damage and it felt they'd been attacked on all sides. For a time, there was no school, no job, and the stress of keeping her children protected and safe, and of course, paying the mortgage. Her parents relocated the business, but it was very hard to get established when, in all the chaos and change, your customers, they could not find you, and they could not make the effort to do so, because their lives were also in chaos. It was hard because everyone was finding life so hard. The whole city was a mess. Mandy said that she is quite an anxious person and with everything she had going on she felt that her kids were not safe and that she could not cope with this and to add to it all her beloved Nana passed away. Now when the catastrophic February earthquake happened in 2011 she was right in the heart of it on Colombo Street and she literally passed out due to the terror of it and she recalls coming to and looking down the street and just seeing dust and she rushed to her kids who were at school and she got there just as another major aftershock hit and it tipped her over the edge and she thought, I just can't do this anymore. She was terrified and overwhelmed by everything that was happening around her and to her and she was powerless to change much of it. 
Now, the February earthquake happened on a Tuesday, but they were actually booked for their next trip to the Gold Coast in Australia on Saturday. Air New Zealand let them fly out early, so they escaped to Australia. As I was also living in Christchurch then, I can imagine the sense of relief they must have felt, but also her fear for her future. Now, while they were in Australia, a friend said that she thought that Mandy and her boys should not come home to Christchurch, so she made the decision to take the remaining $8,000 from the money they won and to move to Wanaka. Why Wanaka? Well, via Simple Savings, that website that she says has had such a huge impact on her life, she'd met a woman who lived there and they'd become friends. So while she was still in Australia, this incredible woman moved her belongings down to a rental house in Wanaka and settled her in by unpacking all her gear before she even returned. And she was able to rent out her Christchurch house and it covered all of her Wanaka rent. Now, I've heard a lot of horror stories about people preying on others in their time of need, so I wanted to know more about how she rented out her Christchurch home. Another friend from the Simple Savings website put up a notice for her at her work, and an older couple who had their home destroyed and were living with their kids applied and said that they needed to get into their own place for their own sanity. Now, her rent in Wanaka was $350 per week, so that's what she charged them in Christchurch, exactly the same, and she did not increase it as many others did. She said it would have felt wrong to have benefited from the tenants when people were being so kind to her in Wanaka, and she felt that everything that was to happen to others who were forced to rent was everything that she detested about money, and it was awful for her to see those in a fortunate position profit off people in misery. It was just awful. People lost their morals, she said. Now down in Wanaka, people had chipped in for firewood for her and food angels dropped off food care packages and she wanted to pay that kindness forward if she possibly could. While in Wanaka, she eked out a living by hosting international students, providing after-school care for school kids and she worked for a shoe repairer in the town as well. She said that they were so close to broke but it didn't matter because they were safe. She was so pleased that her ex-husband didn't stop her and the children leaving, but she said that he had enough on his own plate with getting his workplace and home back in order, and I would imagine that for him, he too was actually pleased his children were somewhere safe. Down in Wanaka, she once again lived on the smell of an oily rag, living on as little as she possibly could, while remarkably also setting little amounts aside for later. She began to see a counsellor, but the cost was just too high and she could not afford it, so instead she squirreled together enough money to purchase a season pass to Cadrona Ski Field, she bought ski gear from Wanaka Wastebusters, which is an awesome second-hand shop, she bought it dirt cheap, and she had enough money for petrol to be able to go up to the field once a week. A ski instructor had learned about their story, and they let her tag along in the Learn to Ski class, and she said these ski days became her counselling session. Being up at Cadrona on a good day was so much more beneficial, she said, and I would have to agree that you can't go past the benefits of a bit of clean air and exercise for your mental health. After a year had passed, her job was available with her parents back in Christchurch, so in January 2012, they moved back. She had let the people who were renting her house know that she would be coming back, and eight weeks before she returned, they moved out, leaving her with a wee problem. Now she needed the rent money to pay her own rent, so she advertised her house. Now by this point, with the housing shortage in Christchurch, many people were homeless and desperate and were phoning her up and she said it was horrendous, but she let the house just for eight weeks to a family to give them a bit of breathing space to find their next place and she was able to cover her own rent payment in Wanaka. 
Just before they moved back to Christchurch, Mandy had found cheap return flights to the Gold Coast. Having squirreled money away, she could afford a budget holiday again. So they went for their third time. And it's become a bit of a haven to them, and they love going there. It's safe, it's English-speaking, it has great weather, and because she budgets and gets the absolute cheapest flights and accommodation, it's cheap to go there. Unfortunately, by the end of 2012, the decision was made by her parents that the business had not recovered from the earthquakes. Her father had been diagnosed with Parkinson's back in 2004, and his health had deteriorated. Losing both the building and his business had really set his Parkinson's off, which meant he could not work anymore, which pushed up their expenses, which included having to pay staff, that is Mandy. It was just no longer viable to stay open, so this long-running family business closed its doors for good. She found another job, but it came with a $4 per hour pay cut, plus a drop in hours to just 14 hours a week. She was working for friends here and they gave her extra hours whenever they could and her own family stepped in to look after the kids at short notice if extra hours did come up. The IRD let her average out her hours over the course of the month and because of this she still managed to get the Working for Family supplement. She really wanted to work and she did not want to be on the DPB and the IRD could see that she was trying to do the right thing. But she said that ringing into the WINS office each week to tell them how much she had earned was always a very humbling experience. She said that their system holds you back and it holds you down. If you earn more, your kids are in childcare and it's quite a harsh reality to accept. If and when you work, the state will try to claw their money back. And she says working is often not enough to justify the time away from your kids and the hassles of dealing with bureaucracy. And she says that it keeps families stuck in the system. Now what I find remarkable about Mandy is that she has worked out how to live extremely frugally, even when faced with such huge upheaval and limited income, but she still continued to save up for the things she wanted this entire time and never once resorted to debt or credit cards. Her holidays were her treat to her family and they took priority and just like you must have enough cash for groceries or the power bill, saving for a holiday took priority as well and she would go without in many other areas to make these trips happen. And I do think that when faced with such life-changing events, you do get your priorities in the right order for you. In 2013, after her parents had closed their business, they decided that they wanted to go to San Francisco, and Mandy thought, I'm coming with you. Her parents paid for the boys' flights, and Mandy saved all the rest. They just went as far as Anaheim and Las Vegas because she could not afford to go to all the other places her parents had planned to visit, but she found cheap accommodation, a cheap rental car, and of course tickets to Disneyland for her two boys, who were by this stage 9 and 11. She said it was really cool, safe, and an incredible experience, all paid for with cash because there was no way that she would borrow money. In 2014, she got a better paying job that would allow her to work school hours and once again, the Holiday Savings Fund continued to build. She turned 40 in that year and decided she wanted to take her kids to her happy place, the Gold Coast, once again. And during that trip to Oz, she met a lady who had two kids of similar age and she had just come out of her marriage and was staying at the same place while she was trying to work out what to do. It was at this point that Mandy was able to reflect on just how far they had come and what they were able to achieve, but that her kids had not missed out. Yes, their parents were not together anymore, but they were doing okay. She still keeps in touch with this woman who actually ended up staying in her marriage. But Mandy does feel that their paths crossed so that she could be grateful for where they are at now and what were once Mandy's fears need not be this woman's and she feels that they both met each other at exactly the right time. 
Her new job was her first office job, which looked amazing from the job description, but certainly had its issues once she started. But she stuck it out for two and a half years so that she could get the office credentials that she needed. Plus, she learned to do accounts, to meet clients. Plus, she continued to hone her sales skills. While the earthquakes in Christchurch still continued rumbling on, she worked her guts out, sometimes cramming 40 hours of work into her 20-hour work week, keeping the kids healthy and supported, and keeping on top of all her bills and expenses, while of course continuing to save and pay down her mortgage. Her oldest boy was having to travel quite a distance to get to school, and this was costing him both time and money. Plus she was juggling to collect the youngest from a different school, plus another child that she had for after-school care. So after a lot of careful planning, she decided to move. And given the drama that was the Christchurch housing market at that time, she didn't want to run the risk of buying an earthquake-damaged house, so she decided to build a new home. Between 2007 and 2016, she had managed to pay $95,000 off her mortgage, which was actually pretty remarkable for her financial situation. When she sold her Horswell house in mid-2016, her mortgage was down to $95,000, She had achieved the goal she'd set herself of getting it under $100,000 before they moved. She met with a housing consultant from GJ Gardner Homes and they instantly struck up a good rapport and started designing a house for her Lincoln section. They designed up three plans which covered off her wish list and she chose the one that was on budget and that she knew she could afford. She had to sell her house to make things happen and she managed to sell it at the first open home. By pure chance, she ended up renting the same house that they'd moved to after her marriage ended. The rental crisis was at a peak then and they were paying $560 rent per week. Now, around this time, another good thing was to happen. Her partner Paul came on the scene and he moved into the rental property with them. The section cost was $205,000 and the house build was $345,000, a total of $550,000, which was a big jump. So she went from having a $95,000 mortgage to a $235,000 mortgage, with the difference this time around being that she had a whole lot more equity to put into the house and that her job prospects were now much more secure and her earning ability much higher and less precarious. 2016 saw the four of them head to Australia yet again, once again carefully planned and budgeted for, and the build got underway. Despite now being in a relationship, the house was in Mandy's name only, and they managed to move in prior to Christmas in 2016. And although the build went smoothly, the same couldn't be said for Mandy's work situation. She was having trouble sleeping and had lost her appetite and was feeling a huge amount of stress due to her workplace. Due to an idiot boss, the staff turnover was huge. Mandy actually ended up being the longest-running employee the guy had, and it became her job to endlessly interview new staff. So she went to her doctor, and after chatting with her, her doctor, who knew her well, did give her a prescription, but he also gave a remedy that you won't find at the chemist. They said, quit your job because that is what is causing your symptoms. She thought about it and decided that we have one life and if we are trading a life for a paycheck, that it's just not worth it. So she gave her boss three months notice and started to use up her annual leave to transition out of the job and they actually managed to move into their new home early and got to enjoy Christmas with her family. In her new house, she was able to relax and she was able to come off her sleeping tablets and her anti-anxiety medication. Her annual leave managed to take her through the Christmas holiday break, but by the new year in 2017, she was out of work, but she was stress-free. Mandy could be the poster girl for, if your job sucks, just change it. 
So although she really enjoyed that Christmas and the opportunity to recharge her drained batteries, she knew that the break would be short-lived and she had to find work, which she succeeded doing very early in 2017. She found a part-time job that she loves. Now, I was interested to know if her and Paul spoke about money at any point during their relationship. You betcha they did. Financially, she brought a lot into the relationship and as I've explained, she grafted for every cent. Paul, on the other hand, had nothing but the shirt on his back. Well, he probably had a few more clothes, but you get the idea. He sounded like the sort of guy who would actually offer you that shirt off his back. Plus, he also had a daughter that he pays child support for as well. She was very aware of the Relationship Property Act. Once you've been deemed to be in a relationship and you don't even have to be living together, after three years, if you have not got an agreement signed and in place and you separate, then you could have to halve your assets and the liabilities with your partner. She said that she does not want to sound clinical, but she has worked too hard over too many years and she has everything to lose and nothing to gain. They talked and she asked him to change his spending and the way he handles money, or she simply could not be in a relationship with him. It might have worked for him when he was single, but not now that they were a couple. And she wrote up an agreement with her lawyer. He then went through it with his own lawyer, and before that three-year deadline, he signed it. Now, in the society where we don't talk about money because it's considered rude, how many people get the bad end of the deal when things do turn sour? Far too many. Having what sounded like an extremely frank conversation, then being asked to sign on the dotted line, may have felt awkward at the time, but once done, you can just get on with life, and I admire her for protecting herself and her children. And of course, no one wants a relationship to end, but both Mandy and Paul are proof that they can, so Mandy would advise anyone out there to hope for the best and protect yourself in case of the worst. With that being said though, I wish the two of them a lifetime of happiness together. Since moving in together, they keep separate finances and they chip in and share the expenses. And by the end of 2018, Mandy had the mortgage down to 183995 It was around this time that they decided to set themselves a challenge and see if they could be mortgage-free in four years. Because this would coincide with her youngest son finishing school and his child support payments she receives ending. And also the child support payments that Paul pays for his daughter would also end. So she set up a challenge with her Simple Savings friends and about a dozen of them came on board to set a time frame with their own mortgages. Then one of the groups said to Mandy, you know what, I reckon you could do it in three. So she had a chat to Paul about it. They worked their way through all the numbers and they set themselves this more ambitious goal. And she said that since then, things are falling into place. They have each recently received a pay rise, which has helped. And as at September 2019, they were two and a quarter years away from achieving their goal now with a current mortgage of $142,615.36. Now, in this year alone, they have paid off $41,479.53, and they are aggressively going for it, and the value of their house is now at around $600,000. Oh, and they took another holiday, this time to Singapore and Malaysia, because all the while that this budgeting queen is allocating payments to the bank, She is also regularly setting money aside for travel, something she has never stopped doing since this all began. Now Paul works for St John in Christchurch and was very involved when the Christchurch mosque shooting took place in March 2019 in Christchurch. So this trip away was to give him a break and relieve the stress he was feeling caused by that terrible day. Now Paul has obviously made some changes to the way he handles money since he and Mandy became a couple, but she said that it was on this trip that he was to have a real light bulb moment while sitting in the rooftop pool of a fancy hotel, no less. And he said to himself, 
that they have paid over $40,000 off the mortgage this year alone, and the important point to him was that he felt he was not even missing out. He was not feeling deprived in any way. And this was really motivating to him to understand this, and I think that it's an important point for people to realise that being good with money is not about deprivation, it's about allocating the money you have well. It's to allow you to do the things that you want to do. It's true that they do have a simple life, they do live a simple life, they don't go out that much, and they do prefer a drive to Brighton Beach for a walk over movies and dinners out, but at the same time, she's been overseas 10 times in 10 years, firstly with just her kids and now with Paul as well. She said that their priorities are to have holidays and to pay off the mortgage. Right, (laughs) now to the bank accounts, you might want to brace yourself for this. She has what she called a total money mortgage with BNZ, which has a mix of fixed and floating rates and allows you to offset other bank accounts that are in credit against your mortgage to reduce interest payments. Because she ran a strict budget by pure necessity when her children were young, she now does it by habit and she keeps a number of accounts for specific things. Number one, she has a personal bills account. Number two, a joint bills account. Number three, a holding account for child support payments. Number four, Christmas club account that she puts $15 a week into. Number five, any money that she spends on her credit card is transferred into here and then onto her credit card by the payoff date. Number six, she has an emergency fund of $2,000 and Paul has the same with his bank. Number seven, they have a joint account for grocery money only. And number eight, they have a joint holiday account. Number nine, her own holiday account for shopping expenses. And number 10 is what she calls her mortgage boost. This is where any extra money she makes goes. Plus, she is one of those people who does not like cents in her account. So she transfers the cents from each account into here. And she uses this money to make extra mortgage payments. And she aims to have an additional $250 here each fortnight. Number 11. One of her sons has a house savings fund. It's his money, but it's in her account. And number 12, she has an education fund. Now Mandy has always set aside just tiny sums of money on a regular basis for each of her boys with the aim being that when they finish high school, they can go to Canterbury University. If they don't choose to do this, then this money will be held and used for a house deposit for them. And she is aiming to have $10,000 saved for each of them. That's a lot of bank accounts. So Given the tough financial time she's had, the fact that she has consistently put away just small amounts of money on a regular basis over many, many years shows that it certainly does add up over time. Plus the fact she has gone without in other areas to do this, it certainly means that she controls this money and will make sure it is put to good use for her sons when the time comes. Now for the offset accounts which reduce her interest payments on her mortgage. Her parents had some money in savings, about $30,000, and while this is very much their money that they use whenever they like, they have let Mandy offset it against her mortgage, meaning that they don't receive interest and that she incurs less interest. One of her son's bank accounts are offset to her mortgage and she pays him $5 each week in interest on his $13,000. Paul also offsets his accounts to the mortgage. In total, she said that there is $70,000 offset against the mortgage. As many do these days, her mortgage is split into sections or separate mortgages. There is a fixed loan of $77,000, a fully offset loan of $61,750, a third loan of just $3,500, which they are aggressively paying off. Once the small one is done, which has probably happened since I've spoken with her, she'll split the big loan into two, each being $39,000, and pay one off and then the other. 
And I asked her, why complicate things so much? Why not just float the lot in these low interest rate times, given that it will all be paid off soon anyway? But she said she can fix it at 3.55% and the floating rate is 5.3%, a difference of 1.75%. She knows she can pay off $39,000 in one year. And if they get this done sooner, her bank, for a fee of course, will allow them to increase payments at any time. It still sounds complicated to me, but she said that she has built the system of handling her money up over time and it makes sense to her. And that's the important thing. Mandy is in KiwiSaver contributing 3% from her wages with the same from her employer with a balance of about $40,000. Hers is with the BNZ and she's currently debating changing to another provider. Her hesitation is that they have been good to her and she is loyal to them, something a bank absolutely loves, no doubt. She is leaning towards switching to Superlife, but she's unsure at this point of time. The reason being is that she has recently started investing in the NZ Top 50 Index Fund with Superlife with a small balance of about $1,200, and her concern is that all her eggs might be in one basket if she puts her KiwiSaver with them as well. She's also recently started investing into an Australian resources fund with the provider Sharesies, which she is really enjoying. Both Paul and her children are now all signed up and she's encouraged many of her friends to do the same. She collects $5 every time she refers a friend and she loves the thought of this free money. It's once again her favourite flavour, she said. She said she logs in every day to see how things are going and she is investing just $5 each week. With just a very low balance currently, she said she felt fear if the balance dropped and then super excited when it went up. But she has become used to the ebb and flow of the share market and she went from feeling paralysed to feeling free because she understands how it all works now and she came up with this analogy. She said shares are like toilet paper. Unless you have run out, you don't want to go to the supermarket and pay full price. So when your shares have dropped, it's the equivalent of toilet paper being on sale. Now she said that if Paul was been looking at his Sharesies account, he might shout out, toilet paper is on sale, meaning that the share price has dropped and they might be able to buy themselves a bargain. While I personally believe that it's hard to make money while you owe money and that clearing all debt should be the primary focus, I do think that the likes of Sharesies and Hatch are worth looking into while you are still paying down debt. The reason being that for a very small outlay, just a few dollars a week, if that's all you can spare, you can give yourself a huge education into how to invest in the share market, both in New Zealand and internationally. There is always fear around the unknown, but if you have consistently invested on a weekly basis for a period of time, all that fear goes away because you learn how it works. And then when the day arrives and you are debt-free, you just direct what used to be a mortgage payment into a payment into your investments instead. It creates a clear way to transition from paying interest to earning dividends instead. She has clearly been thinking about her boys and I was interested to know how they are with money, having watched and learned from her for all of these years. She said that although she has raised them the same, they each have quite different money personalities. For one son, he seems to intuitively get it. The other is more like, meh, whatever. As they are both getting older now, she has said to them that any money they save up, she will match them up to $1,000. Now this is an incentive that she read in the book, The Barefoot Investor, to get them to try to learn that if they save $10, then they will get a return on their money from their mum of $10. It's very much a work in progress with the lure of a $5 pizza sometimes being too much and this must-have-it-now consumer-driven society really puts pressure on her kids to buy now and pay later. Or when there are other children who seem to have so much and hers don't. 
She said that it's very hard to get your kids through this, but she is taking every opportunity she is given to explain to them how money works in a way that each of their personalities understands. In a recent conversation where she got to explain how afterpay works and why they should never use it was an example that she gave. I think that this is the right approach. When kids are young, you can force them to save, but as they get older, you can't. As with anything, you can just show them the right way, but at the end of the day, it becomes their decision. Now, they might nail it and make a good decision, or they might stuff it up, and you just have to hope that they learn something along the way. Mandy is lucky in that she has found a community of friends online with the Simple Savings website that she can talk about money with at any time. And although these people come from different socioeconomic groups, some earn a ton more than her, they have formed this connection which really works. None of them are competing with each other, they're just supporting each other. Particularly now that she has laid out her goal to become debt-free, these people really help her to stay on track and stay motivated. And you, you really need that because paying down debt is a marathon and it's not a sprint. Righto, before I wrap up, I have another quick message from today's sponsor. Thanks again to Hatch for supporting The Happy Saver. Whether you are new to investing or an experienced investor, for the first time Hatch gives Kiwis easy and affordable access to the most recognisable companies via the US share markets. With no minimum investment, fair and transparent fees, they are 100% Kiwi owned and operated and they let you and I invest in the most exciting and recognisable companies in the world. So to easily invest in the largest share markets in the world, head to hatch.as forward slash the happy saver. Firstly, a massive thank you to Mandy for taking the time to share her journey with me and also to Paul for allowing her to share just some of his story as well. Unfortunately, marriages end all of the time and when it happens, you have to cope with not only the grief of your loss and your change of circumstances, but also with the change in your financial situation. Mandy said herself that her story really started in 2007 when her marriage ended and she really had to start all over again with the $130,000 that she had. Some come out of a marriage with a lot less, some come out with a lot more and for her it was a matter of working with the cards she was dealt. Throw in having to return to work with two small children, the Christchurch earthquakes, the death of her nana, job losses and just the almighty stress of it all and it's pretty incredible what a person can tolerate but Mandy just dealt with each thing as it came up and controlled the things that she could and while so much was outside of her control, knowing exactly what was going on with her money was definitely within her control. So with a fierce intensity she used this to take two steps forward and one step back and in doing so she's made such huge progress both financially and personally. The fact she managed to factor in so many holidays is remarkable in itself but it just shows you that with dogged determination, discipline and a regular routine of saving that what you pay attention to gets done. These carefully planned and budgeted breaks away were crucial to her so she made them happen and I say good on her. Now 12 years down the track, with steady and consistent attention to her money, her children, to her partner Paul and to her mental health, the goals she has set are being ticked off slowly and steadily and I can't wait to receive the I'm debt free email from her in 2021. Although here's a prediction for you, I suspect that she will hit that goal sooner than she thought. So that's all from me this week and also that ends series 4 of the Happy Saver podcast. If you enjoyed today's podcast, please do hit subscribe and it will automatically update in your podcast app each time I release a new episode. And although this series has ended, there will be another one, so just keep on the lookout for that. 
Now, if you want to get in touch, you can find me at thehappysaver.com and I would love it if you could leave me a rating and a review in Apple Podcast or wherever you listen to podcasts. And please do share this with your friends because those are the best ways that people can learn about my podcast and I would love it if you would talk more about money with your own friends and help me continue to help others be better with money. So until Series 5, happy saving.